Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Sean. Hello. And today we are discussing chapter 15 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. This is in the middle of the theatre drama. They've chosen a play and now they're trying to cast everybody. They cast Mr. Rushworth as Count Casal, and he's quite a little puppy about it, excitedly running around telling everybody about his fancy dress and his four and twenty speeches. Miss Crawford and Mr. Crawford come to visit. Tom tries to strong arm Fanny to being in the play. Edmund will not let her. Miss Crawford tries to get Fanny on her side and makes it very clear that she thought that Edmund would cave. Mrs. Norris is a bitch, but that's pretty normal. She's thrown her weight around again. So the first person to be cast in the new cast is Mr. Rushworth. He saw the play in London and thought Anne Holt a very stupid fellow. Although she's not very nice in general, and she doesn't seem to think much of him, Miss Bertram is pushing him towards Count Cassell because it's more within his range. And she kindly takes his part in hand and curtails every speech that admitted being shortened. She knew he was going to struggle. Edmund, at this point, did not know that they had chosen lover's vows. Mr. Rushworth steps forward with great alacrity to tell him the agreeable news. We have got a play, says he, as you said before, like a puppy dog. He's so excited. He is. I'm going to be Count Casal and come in first with a blue dress and a plink satin cloak. So my mind, as I said, did rather boggle at this vision of Mr. Rushworth in his blue dress. Edmund asks what they will do for women and refers to the play as exceedingly unfit for private representation. Mariah blushed in spite of herself, proving that she knows what she's doing is wrong. And Edmund says, if you back out, they will know you're doing it for the right reasons and they will drop the play. In all points of decorum, your conduct must be the law to the rest of the party. And she loves this. This picture of her consequence has some effect, Mm. but she makes it very clear that Julia would certainly take the part if she did not. She need not be so scrupulous as I might feel necessary. Then Mrs Norris chimes in and talks for about a page and says that as Mr Rushworth is to act too, there can be no harm. In the middle of this speech, Mrs Norris goes on about Dick Jackson, who's the carpenter's son. He's 10 years old. She refers to him as a great lubbery fellow. And he was bringing something to his father, but it just happened to be at the same time as a servant's dinner. And Mrs. Norris thinks that he's there just for the food and sends him on his way very nastily. And it refers to it as her triumph over Dick Jackson, triumphing over a 10-year-old boy. Such encroaching people as they are. Completely unaware that that's how she is. Yes, pot kettle. We've got more talk about Mr. Yates trying to make himself agreeable to Julia, which is lovely. She's not involved in the play, but he's still interested in her. He is, isn't he? So I'm quite pleased about that because it actually foreshadows development a lot more than I thought. Them running off together doesn't seem to come out of nowhere. He's been interested in her from the start, and it's been there in the background, but we haven't really noticed. No, because we're too concentrated on the main characters. So he's a bit of a silly young man, but at least he's... Consistent? In this way. Yeah, yeah, definitely consistent. He's desperate to do this play, that's for sure. After dinner, the Crawfords come in, and it's very interesting. Miss Crawford knows how to manage people. Oh, yes. 
she says something half fearfully, half slyly, looking beyond Fanny to Edmund. She knows that he objects the play. But then she goes on to say, what gentleman among you am I to have the pleasure of making love to? Which I don't know how else you could possibly say it, that Edmund, you're in love with me. Come on, step up. She refers to Amelia as a forward young lady that may well frighten the men. And perhaps she's describing herself then. Perhaps she is well cast. Mm -hmm. She goes to sit with the people around the fire who are not involved in the play and tries to keep them happy. But then when Mrs Norris goes off at Fanny, she moves to sit with Fanny. Miss Crawford, looking for a moment with astonished eyes at Miss Norris, goes to sit next to Fanny with pointed attention, continue to talk to her and endeavour to raise her spirits, in spite of being out of spirits herself. By a look at her brother, she prevented any farther entreaty from the theatrical board because they were trying to get Fanny to act. The really good feelings by which she was most purely governed were rapidly restoring her to all the little she had lost in Edmund's favour. I wonder who is saying that bit. The really good feelings by which she was almost purely governed. I wonder if that's Edmund or the narrator. Do we believe that she's really governed by good feelings? Miss Crawford goes on to ask Fanny about her coming out, about her brother, and it says that Fanny did not love her, but she feels this charm. It was very agreeable flattery, and she was listening and answering with more animation than she had intended. She's starting to fall under the Crawford spell as well. Mm -hmm. It's not just Mr. Crawford that has this power. No. Miss Crawford does too. It gets uncomfortable towards the end of the chapter because they're talking about bringing in a stranger and here they keep looking at Edmund but Miss Crawford eventually says it would be less unpleasant to me than to have a perfect stranger and points out one of the two men they were talking about she has met once so let him be the guy she's going to make love to they tried a strong arm Fanny into it she was up in a moment expecting some errand for the habit of employing her and that way was not yet overcome in spite of all that Edmund could do. They're still treating her like a servant. Yes, they are. Mrs Norris goes off at her when she says no. I am quite ashamed of you, Fanny, to make such a difficulty of obliging cousins in a trifle of this sort. And Edmund snaps back. Her judgment may be quite as safely trusted. Mrs Norris refers to her as a very obstinate, ungrateful girl. I'm not going to urge her, but I think... Very ungrateful indeed, considering who and what she is. And that's the point where Miss Crawford is looking appalled at yes. Mrs Norris, like she could never believe someone would be that rude in public to somebody else. I think it's a game for the Crawfords. They don't see people's real feelings getting involved because they're up above it. She can see Fanny actually getting upset with tears in her eyes. And she can also sense that Mrs. Norris is not being playful or anything. Mrs. Norris is being very spiteful. It does beg the question, really, that the Crawfords are not inherently bad. You know, they have good attributes. They do have an element of empathy, but they are still very self-centred. Because actually recognising is, is a good behaviour. This chapter is part of the last chapter, really. Mm, it is because it continues that same day. The start of the last chapter was a little bit of time, a couple of days, but this finishes out the day from the yes. previous chapter where they decide they've actually cast their play very quickly. One has to wonder whether they did it because Edmund wasn't there. 
did Tom realise? Tom also knows that he's doing wrong. He, he avoids does. talking about stuff in front yes. of Edmund. They know what they're doing is wrong, but they do not care. They just want to have fun. Yeah, and they're thinking they're going to get away with it because their father's not around. Lady Bertram says don't act anything improper. She doesn't back herself up. She's more interested in getting Fanny to ring the bell so she can have tea. Yes. <laughs> and that is our summary of Chapter 15 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!